What's possible with a little bit of hustle? Well, today on the show, we have newlywed and podcast host Ryan Helms, and he is sharing his story of meeting his wife while climbing out of over $200,000 worth of debt by building a side business. Wow. Yeah. It's an amazing interview, and you're going to love it. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. So we talk with amazing couples who share their stories and incredible experts who share their wisdom about building a life together. And at the end of every show, we give you a conversation starter so you and your spouse can build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having conversations that matter. Welcome to the show. This is episode 146, and we're your hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams, not live in Austin, Texas. Where it's still 100 degrees. (laughs) Tomorrow is October 1st. And I'm getting very excited about the whole, like, going out to a pumpkin patch, corn maze, hay ride. But typically when we do that, we wear like our cute flannel shirt and our jeans so we can get cute pumpkin pictures. Yeah. But then we sweat armpit sweat. What are oh, those called? Geez. Pit stains. We pit out our shirts. The hike through the pumpkin patch <laughs> turns into more like a, a, a military march through the desert. <laughs> we grew up up north in Ohio where fall was just a very different experience than it mm. is down here. And even after being here for 13, 14 years, it's still uh, an adjustment. Okay, and here's my real deal with the pumpkin patch. You have to pay like $15 for a pumpkin that you can get at the grocery store for $3. Yeah. And I'm not about that. And you know what? Ryan Helms would not be about that either. Oh my gosh, Because he's all about, he paid off $200,000 worth of debt. Hello? In less than two years. And he changed. And got married. And he changed his life style forever. So Ryan hosts the Hustle to Freedom podcast, and it's a great show you should check out on iTunes or Stitcher or any of the places. But today he's here and he's sharing his story about meeting his wife, getting married in the middle of his hustle to pay off debt. All right, let's get to our conversation with Ryan Helms. All right, we are excited today to have Mr. Ryan Helms on the show. He is a, a guy that I met through some some business groups that I'm in, and um, he just has a fantastic story around paying off over 200 grand in debt in uh, just about two years. And so, welcome to the show, Ryan. We're excited to have you. Yay, What's Ryan. up, guys? Thanks for having me here. Excited to chat and share this story, and hopefully somebody finds it information or informative or entertaining, one of the two. Yes. And he's also a fellow, fellow podcaster. He runs legacy podcasting. So he is like a podcaster. These are the the guys to follow. I'm just telling you. Yeah. (laughs) Ryan and his partner, Daxi are the guys to follow when it comes to starting and building a podcast. I'm so curious, what actually drew you to like the art of podcasting? Because we have a story about how we specifically chose podcasting. Like what kind of brought you to that area? Yeah, so there's a short version and a medium version. Which one do you want? Go the medium, man. Go for it. (laughs) So in like 20, somewhere in 2016, uh, 
had my corporate job and I was like working like crazy, a lot of long hours. And then I was like, all right, like I'm getting, I'm starting to approach what I think people refer to as being burned out. I'm not sure if it's real, never thought it was, but maybe it is because this isn't cool anymore. Uh, so then I booked a trip to Nairobi, Kenya. And when I was in Nairobi or before I was going to Nairobi, like I didn't have any plans. I was just like, Hey, I want to go on this trip and like be free. And I, I got two weeks of vacation. So I used it all on two weeks going to Kenya. So I went by myself, went on a safari, went to Tanzania. And like, while I was there, and this kind of gets into the debt kind of stuff as well. So it'll, it'll play off nicely. Uh, while I was there, I was like, holy crap. Like there's all these people I've met that were like traveling the world long term. And I was like, I don't really know if I want to do that. Like these people were traveling for like two years nonstop. I was like, but I want to have the option to do that. Like if I so choose, if that strikes my fancy, I want to be able to go and do that. So uh, I had a quick realization that I had like a lot of, uh, on the way back when I was like formulating my master plan, I realized like, well, holy crap, like I've got a lot of student loan debt, a lot of credit card debt, a uh, stupid sports car that costs way too much money, uh, a mortgage, like all this stuff that if, if that is what you so choose to do in life, go travel, they're definitely a hindrance to that plan. So uh, I did that and like fast forwarding a little bit. So I was like, all right, the logical way to pay off debt, and we'll dive into this more is to decrease expenses, increase income, right? Pretty basic stuff. So my my first thing I did was how can I decrease uh, expenses? And then it was like, how can I increase income? So going through that whole process, I had tried a couple different things. And uh, November of 2017, I launched a product on Kickstarter called the Side Hustle Journal. And it was successful. I raised like 15 grand uh, for that. I didn't have any audience. So it was just a lot of like going to like page 63 on Google and like emailing and DMing people. But <laughs> uh, like, so why I started a podcast is because when I did that, I realized that because I didn't come from like, none of my friends are like entrepreneurs or do anything with business or anything like that. So I wasn't associated. I am now, but I, at the time I wasn't associated with those types of people. Um, so like it was the hard road for me to like to raise $15,000 was like super difficult. So I was like, all right, I want to meet some people that would make this that I can not only learn from, but maybe I could leverage in the future, those relationships and things like that. So I started a podcast, like meet people. I was like, I'm going to interview people that are like me that have, uh, that have either have day jobs and they've got a successful business or they've recently transitioned like within the past three years. So pretty recently, uh, because I felt like I could learn the most from them because they were, uh, probably just coming out of the shoes that, you know, in the situation that I'm currently living in. So I started interviewing a bunch of people like that. And that's why I started a podcast. Isn't it a great way to get yeah. free coaching yourself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just ask all the questions that you want to know the answers to. I, I can't tell you how much growth we've had. Yeah. Just you, we were talking about mindset before we started the, the interview. We were talking about mindset a little bit. And I can't, I just can't even, I can't even quantify how much, how much hours has shifted about business, about, uh, about marriage, just from all the different kinds of conversations we've had with people. And I don't know if you find this to be true or not, Ryan, but I find that when I have somebody on the podcast, it's almost like they've come over to my house and had dinner. Like, yep. it's like, they're now your friends. And like, they're part of your network. And you will definitely like, 
always look to them or refer them yeah. or things like that. It's like we've very, got like a hundred people that we, yeah. we just have have like refrigerator rights in our house. Yeah, yeah, they can just come <laughs> on over, help yourself to some old milk or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I like travel, I've I've met up with people in different cities that were on my podcast and like had lunch or dinner with them, met their family, blah blah blah. Like, yeah, you develop a like a a, a weird bond, right? Yeah. When you when you have people on your podcast. So like, I want to get to the story of paying off this, all of this debt. And I want to get to, I want to hear about how you met your wife and everything, but let's go back a little bit. Like, how did you grow up? Tell me, tell us a little bit about life growing up for Ryan. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I grew up kind of, I guess you would say in the country, right? So right now I live in Atlanta. I grew up about two and a half hours southeast of here outside of a a city called Augusta, Georgia, only known for the Masters Golf Tournament. I knew there was something. I'm like, Augusta, I've heard that. It's not well known at all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you watch golf, you like you for sure know where it's at. But if you don't watch golf, you've never heard of it in your life. Um, so I grew up like in the country kind of outside of that. And like I said, it was more like working class, lower middle class type upbringing. Like and then I never like struggled for anything or anything like that. But you know, I just I was exposed to like, you, you do what everybody else does, right? You go to school, you go to college. I was the first person, I think, I don't know if I was the first person in my family to go to college, but I think I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for my generation, right, it was you work, you go to college. Uh, for me, take out student loans to go to college, and then you get a job in the corporate world, and then you die, right? That was kind of nope. like the, that was like the Retire, the hopefully it's, with it's something that left. Midwestern, it's that Midwestern kind of ideology, we, yep. we both grew up in the, in uh, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio, Northwest Ohio, and very similar. Yeah. Uh, I yep. wonder, so like, that, what did your parents think about money? Did they ever, like, have credit cards and do that kind of thing? Yeah, 100%. There was, so, like, uh, money was the, uh, it was, like, the cause. Of, like, if there was any arguments, it was nine times out of ten, it was, like, due to money. So that's, like, I think where part of my mindset around that stuff came from. It's weird that it, it didn't come till like later like I was also bad with money so it's like I almost like picked up some of those I guess you grow up around it right so you sure. pick up some of those habits because that's what you're exposed to uh but then like I snapped out of it around probably like 29 or 30 I'm 32 right now uh but yeah so I kind of grew up in like you know it was you're you're gonna work the rest of your life you, you spend what you make um, you kind of live above your means and yeah, that, that was, that was what I was exposed to. And there was like, I, I really, it sounds weird, but like, I didn't know what being an entrepreneur was or anything like that. I just wasn't exposed. Like everyone that I knew they had a job and the people that I did know that had businesses, like I didn't even view it as them being an entrepreneur. I think, cause I didn't really wrap my head around what that was. I was just like, I, I can't explain it. I was just like, oh, that's how they make money. I didn't think about it. Like, oh, they're like in control of their destiny, right? They Or they had yeah, an idea or yeah, you exactly. know, something like that. Now, I'm wondering, you said you got into like the corporate world and then you felt like you were burnt out. Like, yep. tell us about that kind of like, what is what was the burnout like for you? Just because I'm very a very driven individual. So like I, I have high standards for myself. I have high standards for anything that, uh, 
is associated with me. So what that meant was there was a big workload to be done. And I'm the type of person that if, if there's something to be done, like I raise my hand, right. I'm the, that's just how I am. Like I raise my hand too much for stuff. Like, especially in the corporate world, somebody's like, we need somebody to do this project. And I'm like, sounds cool. I'll do it. And that, that gave me more and more work. It, it ultimately led to a fast career progression as well, because other people wanted to be like soft, comfy and know what they were coming into every day. And I'm like, Hey, give me the project. Like nobody else will take that, you know, I can do in addition to my other job. So like I was working like three jobs with it, what should have been like three jobs, 14, 16 hour days. And that's what kind of led to like that burnout feeling. I was hundred percent always the first car in the parking lot and it was dark when i got in and i was usually the last if not the last car to leave and it was dark when i left uh so like that's but that's just how i am i'm just like like if there's something in front of me i'm gonna like conquer it that's just how it is and there was all like in the corporate world there's it's an endless supply of work it is in your own business as well but it's like if you if somebody sees you finish something they're like here's more Here's more. And I just kept taking it. So it led to that experience. Yeah. So how, it sounds like you've made some shifts there. How do, how do you balance that driven uh, desire to accomplish things and, and to move, have progress to move things forward with the, the need for rest? You said you had struggled with burnout and everything. How do you, how have you find, found a balance there? So I, I wouldn't say I've, I've, yet found the balance with rest. I found the balance with uh, finding passion and other things that make up for lack of sleep on some days for lack of a better word. So like the, the satisfaction from building some of the things that we're building outweigh the discomfort that comes from, you know, working long nights, working on the weekends. Uh, I, I mean, I still literally, I, I probably get seven hours of sleep every night, which is more than a lot of people probably, but uh, I, I'm usually in bed by 10, somewhere around there. And then I'm up at five. And lately it's been a little bit, it's been around 4.30 or so, but uh, we got a lot going on, a lot of fun things going on. There's, but, there's yeah. a lot to do in a day. Yeah. Now I'm wondering, you said um, at some point, you were realizing like you bought the sports car and you bought all these other things. And like, what made you realize like, oh crap, like I need to deal with this mountain of debt? It was, it was seeing the mountain of debt. Like I, I just chose not to look at it, right? For the longest time. So sure. just put it under the cover, don't acknowledge it. And you know, it's the same mentality of like, if you're going to work the rest of your life, right? If you plan on working the rest of your life at one job, like, okay, I got this debt. I got 30 years left to work. So I got 30 years to pay for it. So when I changed my mind about like what I wanted out of life, it forced me to look at what was in front of me and what were the, what were the obstacles to getting to where I wanted to go? And for me, that was having a lot of debt because I'm a very risk adverse person. So when I see all that debt, as I look at that as uh, things that are limiting my decision. So this is a this is a mindset thing that I still have to overcome, right? This is one of the internal battles I have is like this risk and fear mentality. Uh, but for me, I knew that in my current mindset to get to get in a position where I could make a, a radical shift in my life, I needed to put myself financially in a position that uh, definitely minimized my risks. So uh, to your question, it was, 
it was seeing the uncovering the mountain and, and acknowledging that it was there that made me start to take action. So did you like just sit down with like a mountain of bills and you're like, okay, I'm just going to like see what the reality is here. So I made a spreadsheet. Uh, and if you saw that post, then you saw like the, the line chart, right. Going down. Yeah. So like that was, I kept track of that from when I decided to hit go on this. So I, calculated everything that I had. Uh, I found this like awesome template. I would credit where I found it, but I don't remember. Uh, and it allowed you to like put in like, what's the interest rate on your mortgage? What's this? What's this? And I kind of modified it a little bit. Every column, right? In the spreadsheet was like uh, a different, I'll call it bucket of debt. So I had like one credit card, two credit card, three credit card, car payment, house payment, and if there was anything else. So then, and then on the left-hand side, it was just months. So like January, February, March, April, like of 2017, 2018, yep. blah, blah, blah. And what really made me get super serious about it is when I saw how much interest I was going to pay on my mortgage. Like, like, Cause that, that spreadsheet showed you that. And I was like, Oh man, that is a ton of money. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, and here's how much I would save if I didn't do that. So I just kind of put it all in that spreadsheet and faced it and it gave me a good starting place. And then I could see, all right, let me, I kind of looked at the, so when I first got into this, like I looked to like Dave Ramsey and people like that, my, my views evolved eventually like past him. Uh, but he was a good starting place for me kind of being like fresh into like, how do I get rid of debt? Uh, so I kind of started with the lowest hanging fruit first, like the credit card to get some momentum and stuff like that and yep. some small wins. And I, so I just kind of ate the elephant one bite at a time till I got to the last standing thing, which was my, uh, my mortgage. How did your life look different when you started paying down this debt? Externally, it probably looked far more glamorous when I had far less money than it does right now. Uh, so like I was telling somebody the other day, like probably three, yeah, probably three years ago, like on the surface, I had like so much more stuff. Right. I had like a nice car, like I was traveling all the time, like blah, blah, blah. But now it's like I have less things. Like I don't have this sports car. Like I've got like a 2013 Honda Civic that's paid for. Like we haven't been traveling as much because we've been on like this mission to like pay off the debt. So like on the outside, like it looks like I'm like probably worse off. It's like I don't I don't do anything. I don't have these nice fancy things anymore. I'm not like going out to the bars like blowing a bunch of money on the weekend. So like it, it definitely looks different in, in that perspective, just on like the things that we had. Like part of the process for me was really like minimalizing my life. So that was a big piece of this is looking back and saying like I have like an abundance of things that I don't need. So like, how can I purge some of this stuff to kind of like almost like free myself and, and like liberate myself from some of like the consumerism that we're like brainwashed into as a culture. Yeah. It was interesting. You say brainwashed, uh, a, a mentor shared this quote and I'm going to butcher the quote, but I, but I know the attribution. <laughs> uh, it was, it was Thomas Merton wrote once, uh, essentially the the world is constantly trying to sell us stuff that we don't need that we wouldn't in our right minds spend our money on. And so the, the business of marketing is about keeping people out of their right minds, ah. <laughs> right? Just driving the scarcity driving you go. Yeah. and everything. And those are, those are triggers that we use in marketing. And I, and I, yep. and I get that, but it, it just, it, 
you know, when you say it, on the outside, it looks like, it looks like I'm worse off, but, but actually I'm in a much better place. Yeah. Much That's better. Exactly what he was talking about. Yep. Do you feel 100%. like so much lighter? Like even if you look around your house and you don't have the fancy things that you used to, um, does it feel better to you to have less? Uh, yes and no. So I, I kind of like I've I was doing something that I finally got a um like a term to it. So it's called like normalizing, right? So you like always in life you're you're normalizing to new things, and you you want to be normalizing up in life, not necessarily down. So I, I guess in some ways I've kind of been normalizing down, but from a, a mindset and a, like a business perspective, I've been trying to normalize on the upside. So I, I feel like a little bit lighter because like, okay, I don't have the mortgage and stuff, but I try, I like, I thought it was going to be this big, like monumental moment. And I was going to like pop champagne and like all this stuff. But to me, it was like, just because of how I am, it was like, cool, that's done. What's next? Like, I got to go bigger now. Like that was 200 K like, all right, my next goal is let's make 500 K like, all right, we gotta, we gotta go bigger. Like that's just how I operate. And so I'm, I'm trying to like normalize up. So I'm always trying to like, let's take this to the next level. Like, let's do what I have to do to put myself in a position, the mindset, the physical position, however you want to look at it to force myself to get to the next level. So, and I, I got that from the traffic and funnels guys. So they've got a podcast and Taylor Welch, uh, one of the owners that they're 30 years old and they're doing like, uh, I think they're doing like one and a half million dollars a month right now. And they got there in like zero to one and a half million in like two years. So mm-hmm. like, I, I like when, when you can do something like that, like that takes, that's a lot of mindset stuff. So I've really been like looking at those guys as like free mentors by consuming their podcasts and stuff. Yeah. And they talk about like the normalizing thing. Like you have to put yourself in, you have to always like level up your position, both with physical things and uh, the mental side to kind of force yourself to go up. Mm, brilliant. I'm wondering too, like, how did you, um, meet your now newlywed wife when you were like you said you didn't go out you didn't spend a bunch of money um all that kind of thing how did y'all meet and i want to know how the whole dating thing went when you basically refused to spend money yeah i wish wish she was here because this would be uh this would be pretty funny uh but i'll I'll keep it as truthful as possible so we actually we actually met in the building that i live in right now so we live in like a a high-rise condo here in in, uh, atlanta one of our friends was having a get together we ran into each other there uh we had been out for a drink or two that night and towards the end of the night a few drinks in uh, i got her phone number with some liquid courage and i've totally forgot about it till two and a half or three weeks later oh no No way yeah yeah, this is this this is real uh so i the reason i I found her phone number is because i was looking to text somebody that i hadn't texted recently and i saw that where like 2 30 a.m like three weeks back, I had text somebody H O G G just cause I was like, I'm just gonna send her a quick text. So she'll have my number. And that's what autocorrect did. It sent H O G G. So I was like, who did I text hog with an extra G at two 30 in the morning? And I sat there and I thought about it and I was like, Oh, this was that pretty Indian girl. Let me text her. Uh, so I, I texted her. He's like, you jerk. <laughs> you had yeah. text me for three weeks. What's the matter with you? Yep. So for some reason she still agrees 
agreed to uh, go out and we had coffee. So we had a, a $3.50 first date uh, because mm-hmm. that was that was one of the shifts that I made because I would go out on a lot of dates and stuff like that uh, just to get to know people. And I, I had a habit of spending a lot of money. So I'd go out on dates. I would spend like $7,500 on, you know, having dinner with somebody that I never even met before that a lot of times I didn't really care to hang out with anymore after that first meeting. So I was like, all right, this doesn't make any sense. So I switched to coffee dates. So, uh, she agreed. We went on a $3 and 50 cent coffee date. And, uh, yeah. Then we met up a few times after that and started dating. Wow. I'm just wondering, like, what was the matter with your friends? You like got these digits, this hot girl, and they did not beat you up. Like, Hey, didn't you call that girl? Like, what's the matter yeah. with them? What are they doing? I don't know. They were slacking. They were oh, seriously geez. slacking. Oh, my gosh. So amazing. Now, how long have y'all been married? So we got married. Uh, so we got married October. We got married twice. So we got married October 28th here in Atlanta. And we got married uh, December 3rd in India. So, oh, yeah. 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 So she, so, and this is kind of why we got married so quickly is because we got engaged, uh, about a year ago, uh, I think July 20, what was it? July, July 21st or somewhere right around there. Really recently we, we got, uh, a year ago we got married and are engaged. I'm sorry. Uh, so I proposed then we got engaged and we were like, okay, you know, we'll like plan a wedding and do like the normal long thing. I didn't want anything big definitely had no desire to spend a ton of money. You're like, I have $3 and 50 cents. How far (laughs) will that get me? Exactly. So we, we talked about it and then her twin brother was getting married in November. So we were going to have to go to India anyways. And then I was like, you know, we started talking about it back and forth and it just made sense to like, all right, let's fast forward this thing. Let's do two at one time. So we don't have to come back to India again a few months after that and do our wedding. Uh, So we, we yeah hit the fast forward button and made it happen in like three months for an Indian wedding. That's a big deal because theirs are way different than any like normal Christian wedding that I had been to in in the U.S. Um, so it was like a three day extravaganza. And uh, did you guys do a double wedding? So we did our wedding, and then three days later we did her brother's wedding. What? Now, was there any tension with with the other bride and groom around like you're stealing stealing or they wanted to get married on the same day? They were like, why don't you guys like let's literally just all do it on the same day? Because twins, they do everything together, right? Yeah, I guess. But it was just like (laughs) logistically, it was I don't think it was very feasible to like make all that happen in, in one day. So we did it pretty close though. And now we interrupt this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast to bring you a word from our sponsors, us. <laughs> All right. So we know that communication is the hardest part of marriage, right? Yeah. And the story goes something like this. You talk about the bills, the crushing the chores, keeping the kids alive. But it feels like you become really good roommates, yeah. not the soulmates you were when you got married. Maybe the busyness of life and the trials and challenges of raising a family have just worn you down. Maybe you're just more comfortable having transactional conversations instead of passionate, transformational, exciting ones. Oh, the good news is that by making seven small shifts, you can get on the same page and have conversations that matter and then 
infuse more intimacy and connection into your marriage. Oh yeah, so what are those shifts? We've spent more than a decade researching and working with couples to distill down the seven most powerful shifts that couples can make to build more intimacy and connection. Nobody else is teaching this stuff at any price, and this free resource is available now at legendarymarriage.com slash seven secrets, the number seven secrets. And the good news is you can make these shifts, just break out of that roommate zone and transform your marriage without making your spouse sit through some boring workshop, endless counseling sessions, or sitting knee to knee naked in some weird sweat lodge, braiding each other's hair and holding hands while a bunch of people sit around staring at you singing Kumbaya. Was that just us? That did Awkward. <laughs> so grab this free resource today at legendarymarriage.com slash seven, the number C. Secrets and start building a life, a love, and legacy together today. And now, back to the show. So you met Arushi, had a cup of coffee, and at what point did you go, you know what, someday I'm going to marry this chick? <laughs> hmm, that's a good question. I think, well, so just to be like honest and transparent, like I was, like I was of the mindset where I didn't know if I wanted to get married. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know if like my, if I think it's necessary, if that's a right mm -hmm. word. I was like, I was of the mindset that like, like, Hey, if you, and I kind of still am, to be honest, like if you love somebody, I don't think it's a requirement, right? I think you could yeah. live the same happy life irregardless of whether you're married or not. It just in her culture, it was, it is a very important thing. Like marriage is like a huge, huge deal to me from what I've experienced much much more of a big deal in India than it is here in the yeah. U.S. It's a much bigger part of their culture. Um, so it just made sense. Like not, I didn't do it just because I wanted to like please them or anything. Like it, it started to make sense to me as well. But that was like a big piece of it was just like how culturally it was a big part of yeah. what, what goes on in, in their family. I'm going to, I'm going to blow some people's minds, some of our listeners' minds, because I'm, because I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you here. I like I know and we've worked with couples who have been married like big church weddings little justice of the peace weddings and we've married we've worked with couples who have never been married and have great lives and rich faith life and and all of it it's not a prerequisite and actually one of the things that that is so encouraging about the way you described it Ryan is like you had a sense of purpose, like you came to it and had an understanding like, yeah, I want this. Whereas so many people, uh, like why we ask, why did you get married? Well, it's because what our, our faith tells us, what our community tells us, what our parents make us do. It's what people, it's the cultural norm, right? Mm -hmm. It's the normalization yep. and, and there there's lacking that like resonance to it. Yep. And so I love the way you talk about, like, it started, it made sense to me. I got to a point where it made sense to me. Yep. So you, you, you meet Arushi, you're, you're, you're dating, you're, you're in the dated. middle of paying off all your debt. Yeah. yeah. And this is, this is where it gets interesting is like, what was her reaction? How, how to did this? you guys yeah. start talking about money? And, and like, are you on the same page around it? And how did you get on the same page? Yeah, I think this is uh this is a very important, important piece of the puzzle here because uh, I think this is where a lot of people probably go wrong and not saying that I'm like smarter than anybody but I just think because I was in such a, an extreme position with how like motivated I was to get to my goals uh, I made it very clear up front like 
what, what, how, like where I was at, what I was moving towards. And that like, almost like, Hey, this is, this is what it is. It is what it is. I, I don't foresee myself deviating from this path. So if you would like to be a part of it, like come join me. If you think this is going to be a roadblock, that's, that's what it is. Like it's a roadblock and maybe this isn't going to work out, but I was just very, very clear about where mm-hmm. I wanted to go and where I wanted things. And she was on board. Yeah. Wow. So you guys it just naturally had some of the, the same values and mindsets around money. Uh, yes. I, I think she was just more malleable to the concepts because, uh, she, she's a software developer. So her salary is not, uh, it's not small. So she makes yeah. good money, but she was spending it all on clothes and makeup because that's what she liked to buy. So, right. uh, it was, it was adjusting some of those habits and things like that to match where we were headed as, as a couple. So we both were, uh, having to change. We were both having to kind of like meet in the middle. She probably had to meet more towards the bottom than I went up, but, uh, yeah, it, it was some adjustment on, on both sides, but she was pretty malleable in, in the situation because like, it wasn't like my goal was going to do anything but benefit us. Right. It may make us have some short-term loss, right? Not be able to go on this trip with a friend or that do that or buy this, but it was for the better, right? We were bettering ourselves through this process. So, um, it it was in some ways it was, it was tough to argue with like that. I had a bad goal. Like you couldn't say like what I was doing was going to make us worse. Now I'm curious after you were finished paying off your debt, which you're finished, right? You're debt free. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you start to allow yourself to like, okay, there is a trips that we want to go on, or, you know, there is a house that we want to get or something like that. Do you allow yourself now to start actually spending money? I, I, uh, we haven't changed much. And I think this is because we actually created habits and not just like temporary change. So, uh, we, we talked about like, we were going to go on this big fancy dinner. And, uh, so I'm vegan and my wife is not, she eats vegan probably 90% of the time just cause she's awesome. And she supports my choices. Uh, but like we went and like, we got her ribs on Saturday night and, then we went to the movies and that was like, that was like our date night post, like all this stuff. So like we, like our, our thought pattern has not changed much. Like we're, I wouldn't consider ourselves frugal. Uh, like we, we buy, we still buy stuff that we were lucky enough to have salaries that allowed us to, uh, well, like we were putting off like between five and $7,000 a month just at debt. Uh, so like we had salaries that allowed us to do that, plus still, um, live a somewhat normal lifestyle and not have to be complete hermits. So we were fortunate in that regard. Um, but we didn't, we didn't like now, Oh, now we've got like all this free cash flow. Like let's go. I I did buy. So I I did splurge a little bit. Let me, let me lie. I don't (laughs) want to lie. So I like this past weekend, I bought a new laptop, uh, just cause like in our business right now, uh, I'm. I've started doing some more creative stuff. So I need like a a better computer to handle some of the video editing and stuff like that. So I splurged on a new top of the line Dell XPS 15 with like a i9 processor and all this stuff that half the people probably don't know what it means. But so that was my splurge. uh, But we really, that's about it. Yeah. 
I wonder what is your goal now? Like, what are you guys getting after these days? August 2nd is my last day at my day job. So I'm, uh, I, I put in my notice on like July, whatever the last, the first business day after July 4th was, uh, I put in my notice and yeah, leaving that job because our, our agency, we have a, like we said earlier, the podcast agency, uh, it's doing really well. It's growing. And right now, uh, one of the limiting factors on our growth is my capacity, so uh, we've grown that business to say I'm still doing it on the side. We've grown it uh, pretty substantially and now I'm making the pivot. So that's to me, that's the next big life shift for me. Uh, I've always worked in the corporate world, probably 10 years now. So totally new experience for me. Three years ago, I couldn't even tell you who an entrepreneur was. And now I'm about to be a business owner myself. So it's pretty exciting. Mm. So you know, it, it, uh, a shift like that make is, is easier when the numbers make sense, right? Like, yeah. okay, the, the agency's generating, I know I can draw a salary. I know it's going to be okay. Yep. And the conversation with Arushi is going to be one way there, but even in that, like there's, there's stepping out of the perceived stability of a corporate mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. Got, how did that conversation, how did you navigate that? So this was part of the reason we wanted to be debt-free, right? So I talked about earlier, I wanted to, uh, I didn't want like finances to like weigh in on my decisions. So to me, like getting debt-free, part of that meant like I no longer had like financial risk. So she has a, she makes a good salary. We no longer have any bills. Like as long as I can figure out how to buy rice and beans, like we'll survive. Uh, and I, and I think I can figure out how to buy rice and beans. I can get somebody to pay me enough to do at least do that. Uh, so like the conversation actually didn't really have to happen because like not a standalone conversation because it was just kind of like a natural evolution of the direction we were going. So Mm -hmm. she knew like what my goals were, uh, when we started this, like I had no idea legacy podcasting was going to exist. Like it just came to be, and that became like the vehicle that, um, kind of sped the process up. So it, th- that conversation probably happened a hundred times in very bite-sized increments as this progress evolved. So it wasn't one standalone conversation. So it wasn't like, oh, hey, honey, by the way, I I've, been, I've been working with this other guy and we've like built this thing and I'm quitting my job. No, she, she like, <laughs> she's a trooper. I mean, I've been putting in some serious hours, uh, you know, juggling my day job and this. So she definitely knew I was doing some work on the side. Like there was no hiding that. Like there's a lot of hours, but, uh, but yeah, she like, it just came a lot quicker because the business really took off and we wanted to pay the house off in November. So we ended up paying it off by the end of November. So we really paid it off about six months ahead of like what I had planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just because of the trajectory of the side business. Right. Cause that was like, I talked about earlier, like to pay off debt, you have to decrease expenses and increase income. So I was able to increase income faster than projected. So that really helped out. And then mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, well, crap, man, I really enjoy doing this. I don't enjoy sitting in my windowless office, but I really enjoy like working with the awesome clients that we get to work with and helping them grow their business through podcasting. Mm, Like this isn't really a hard choice anymore. Like I'm making, I'm about to be making more money doing this than I'm doing that. It was just like not a difficult choice. Yeah. So (laughs) I wonder if time-wise, like how do you do that where, 
Um, it sounds like your new business is taking up a lot of time. We know like when you have your own business, you're like, you feel like you could just never like turn it off like sometimes. So how do you two still make time for each other when the time is, you know, it can seem so all consuming. Yeah, it it is. I get, I'm not going to lie and try to sugarcoat thing. It's, it's been difficult. We don't get to spend like, what we spend time together but a lot of times i'm like behind my computer or she's behind her computer um so like the quality time is limited but i look at it like this so uh, i don't know who came up with this concept i think the first time i saw it it was by a gentleman by the name of james clear he's like a blogger online he writes a lot of content and it was called the four burner theory right so you have think about a stove and on that stove you have four burners that have a flame and each of those flames in this analogy is a call it like a cornerstone of your life so we could call it um, your career your relationship with your wife your family and let's call it your hobbies right so at any point in life the distribution of that flame has to only equal 100 percent, right so at certain points if you want to, so you can be average in everything, right? And have an even distribution across everything. You could spend time with your family. You could spend time with your wife. You can spend time at work. You can work on your hobbies, but you'll probably never be more than average in those facets, right? So to get better exponentially at one of those, you have to decrease again, in this analogy, the flame on some of those areas of your life. So for me, for the past few months, the flame for the side business has been burning very high and heavy. Uh, And other areas of life, such as family is very low, just to be honest, and hobbies are uh, that that burner has been turned off. And work has been slowly going down as I found uh, better ways to delegate my work to the team that I have so I can focus more on this business. So right now, like my side business burner is probably at like 80%. And then the rest of it is distributed between my relationship with my wife and my career. My people talk about people talk about work-life balance, like, oh, I'm going to find this, I'm going to dial in everything like an equalizer on a stereo and then it'll be perfect. (laughs) And then freeze. And it's not, (laughs) like you do go through seasons where, hey, like for these months, I'm 80% of my effort is in in building up this business so that because it feeds our vision of the life we want to build together. I think the challenge comes too when, you're stuck on 80 and then you don't yeah. like recalibrate when a season comes yeah. into to forever, that. you know, a right. season is like three months. Yeah. Yeah. In, yep. in nature, a season has a <laughs> definitive kind of a period. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I no. think, that, yeah, that can be, that can be dangerous when, you know, you've, you haven't picked up, you know, a hobby, you haven't run a mile for, you know, two years. And then yeah. you look down at yourself and you go, huh, Maybe I should have been running a little bit. <laughs> and I think I think a big piece of this as well, if you keep thinking about this framework of like having seasons in life, you have to, you can't, again, you can't hide from it. You have to acknowledge that you are, let's say the hobbies like that. So I used to work out a lot. I actually competed in a lot of like bodybuilding type stuff. I did a lot of competitions. I did powerlifting. So I was like heavy, heavy, heavy into the fitness stuff. And I 
it, it really messed with my head when I first got into this like super heavy because I was working out every morning. And then it got, it came to the point where I was having to work before going to work instead of working out. And I was just like, man, like I, I'm not in the same shape. Thankfully I'm a vegan. So it's pretty hard for me to get fat, but I'm like, I wasn't in the same shape that I was in. And it like messed with my head. It was like, man, like I've, I've always preached like staying in shape, staying in shape, but I just had to acknowledge like where I was at and why, and that I was choosing to be there and I had to own where I was at. I didn't try to hide it. I didn't try to blame it on anything else. I said, this is my choice. My choice is to not work out. Here's the result of me not working out. I'm okay with that because I know where I'm heading and I know how I can adjust and equalize once I get to where I'm going. Yeah. Um, so like we've talked about a lot of stuff here and, and, (laughs) Like I want to, I want to lean into your area of expertise for a second. You said, you said it's absolutely true. If you want to pay off debt, you want to get into a better place financially, increase income, decrease expenses. Yep. And one of the places where people are increasing income is starting side hustles. For example, um, if you have any plan to grow any type of following or start a business, like just start producing content. Who cares? Like if it's great right now, just start putting it out there. Your message will get refined as you go. You'll get better. You'll make friends on the internet. You'll make, you'll meet potential clients, all, all kind of great stuff. Oh my gosh. Yes. You said your message gets refined. You get better. Yes. I like, yeah. If you listen to like our first (laughs) first 30 episodes of our show, you know what, if you're not, you haven't been growing. I got a message today. I had a message today from somebody who was like, I just found your show a few weeks ago and I've listened from episode one to episode 119 in the last three weeks. And I was like, Oh, you could have skipped a few. (laughs) You're like, start at like 30. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No. um, And so if you are interested in podcasting, like, reach out to Ryan on Facebook. They have a, a, do you guys have a Facebook group? What's the name of the group? Podcast Success Secrets. Yeah, Podcast Success Secrets. I'm in there and there's just great conversations going on there. Hey, Ryan, it's been great. I want to run a lightning round of questions by you. Whoa, lightning round. Justin just just came up with this. We haven't done the lightning round in a while. I know, we haven't. All right, so here we go. I got five questions for you. Oh my gosh. I want you to give just the gut first first answer. I have no idea what he's doing. Go for it. There'll be no fact checking here. We don't have Monica to fact check it. (laughs) Oh, armchair expert. That's one of my favorite podcasts. Okay, go ahead. Question number one. Drum roll, please. All right. (laughs) What do you love most about your wife? Oh, her acceptance of my extreme views on things. Yeah. (laughs) Ooh, all right. Question number two. Toothpaste. Roll it from the bottom or squeeze it? Uh, like squeeze it. Yeah, for sure. Squeeze it, then at some point roll it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What is Arushi's favorite meal? Mm. Mm. It, it, mm. Probably ribs if we're talking meat eater. Yeah, and uh, probably Thai food if we're talking. Oh, oh my gosh, I want some Thai food right now. Oh, we need to get some Thai okay, food. Okay, let's for dinner. get some Thai food right, right after this. What <laughs> makes your wife laugh? What's the easiest way to make her laugh? Make funny noises. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I love it. Anything in particular, Ryan? No, just like those like mushy kind of moments where you make weird noises and you're like cuddling and that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I like it. Aw. 
All right, final question, man. What do you think it takes to build a legendary marriage? I think it takes commitment on a a shared vision and communication of how you're going to get there. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, Ryan. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Mr. Ryan Helms. Thanks for being on the show. I can't wait to to know you and Arushi. You know, 20 years from now. Oh my gosh, see what kind of life you have built out of that shared vision. Oh my gosh. It's just up from here. That little graph, it's going up, man. Up to the right. Hey man, thanks so much for taking time to chat with us today. It's been a great pleasure to get to know you. And, uh, and again, if you're, if you're listening and you have any interest in that legacy podcasting, that's where Ryan.com, you can find Ryan and Daxi over there, or you can find them on Facebook, uh, podcast success secrets, Facebook group. All right, and now the Talk About It segment of the show. Each week, we challenge you to find a time to set aside with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. All right, so here's your conversation starter question this week. What sacrifices would you be willing to make in order to pay off debt and create freedom? You know I have to do it. Freedom! The Braveheart thing, right? At the end, he screams it as they disembowel him. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for today's <laughs> show. Grab your copy of The Seven Secrets of Legendary Marriages over at legendarymarriage.com slash seven, the number, secrets. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you once again, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.